You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. baseball will come to their senses and be like hey you live over six not only do you live okay so they're technically in baltimore tonight so this doesn't apply but like when baltimore is playing in boston i'm like why am i getting blacked out does major league baseball really expect me in north carolina to go to massachusetts to watch this game or even better, like all of us from North Carolina and Virginia to go all the way to Massachusetts to watch the game. Like it, I, I at some point I just have to believe there's smarter blackout rules. Like I don't know if they just make it where, like if you really want to protect Washington and D.C. for for the North Carolina area, then just make it so that it's only home games. Like if, if Baltimore, like let's say Baltimore was playing in Seattle and I wanted to watch that game for some reason, why in the fucking world should that game be blacked out? Like, come on, come on guys. Well, I I mean, you know, it really pissed me off this year because I was really excited. I wanted to watch Juan Soto hit this year. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, all I heard was, you know, oh, this is the closest thing to Ted Williams we've ever seen. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I want some wine soda. No, you won't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> the only times I've seen wine soda hit this year are literally like when I'm on the treadmill at the gym because it happens to have, like, Masson on there, and <laughs> I ca- I'm i catching, like, a replay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's, like, that's the only time I can see him hit. Because uh, it's not like they're playing Nats games on, you know, Sunday night baseball right now. So It's so stupid. Uh, it is so blitheringly retarded. And we're double screwed because we get we get screwed out of both the Nats and the Orioles. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what, 300, quick maths, 324 games we can't watch yeah, a year? Including the last six of the freaking Red Sox season. Yeah. yeah Which awesome. is, once again, the main reason that I bought the damn package this year was to watch the Red Sox. Yeah. And now I can't watch them in the most important week of the season. I will not see a single fucking pitch. That, it's it, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Screw you, Major League Baseball. We tried. We tried to pimp you out. We we love mm-hmm. baseball. We love Major League Baseball. We want to watch it. We paid <laughs> a lot of money to get the damn package this year. And then you're like, okay. 
I think I remember. You need to, you need to go to the game. It's like, no. I want to see like what it is because I'm pretty sure there's like some Midwest region that is like blacked out on uh, on uh, like six different teams. Um, like, yeah, let me see here. So this is I don't know how up to date this is. Um, I mean, I'll figure I'll figure maybe like around Cleveland or something. Let's see. This is oh shit. What state is that? Oh no, I, I have I have made myself oh, to look like an right. idiot um it's oh god it's beside uh like wisconsin and Michigan? no not not that way um the other way um let's minnesota? see that's that's north dakota south dakota that's what's minnesota? below minnesota what's below minnesota um uh, nebraska okay i no no that iowa yeah, okay, this is Iowa. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's Iowa. This uh, is Iowa. <laughs> Iowa, Dreams. I think, if I, let me turn my, um, my, my white, uh, my dark mode off on this thing. I think Iowa, if I'm reading this chart correctly, let's see, they lose one, let's see, purple, light blue, orange, yellow, green. Okay, so that's five teams so iowa the entire state of iowa is colored in like this iowa cannot watch five teams iowa does not have a professional baseball team in it they have like the cubs yeah that's true they have the field of dreams so yeah they they had the most epic game of the season (laughs) now the question is no that would have been blacked out exactly well, no, well, no, because that was a Fox game. That was a national. Title. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're you're exactly right. Yes, my mistake. So, congratulations, Iowa. You got to watch a game. And also, I'm I'm slightly incorrect. It's technically six teams because one of the colors is representing both Chicago teams. So, no, Iowa. Iowa does miss six teams. They miss. Uh, if I'm reading this right, Two I think Chicago's. it's Chicago's. Yeah, two Chicago's, uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, um, I'm guessing Milwaukee, uh, and then, yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota would be the other one. Yep. Jeez, that's ridiculous. What's the state below Wyoming? Is that Montana? That's Montana, right? Montana's above Wyoming. Oh. Below Wyoming, is that like... Utah, maybe. Oh, okay. I, I mixed them up in my head. So, Montana is the is the one that borders Canada. Correct. Okay, so under that is Wyoming. Okay, so Wyoming cannot watch Rockies games. Poor guys. <laughs> Poor guys. Yeah, um, I guess Colorado is their local team out there. Yeah, Idaho cannot. Part of Idaho cannot watch the Rockies or the. Uh, I'm guessing Mariners. Mariners. Yeah, Mariners. Yeah. Uh, Nevada, no, like southern half of Nevada, just gets absolutely fucked. There. Yeah, I figure. I figure. Uh, Diamondbacks, uh, Dodgers, Padres, probably the Giants. Yeah. And Anaheim. And Anaheim. Yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah, that might. So you know what? Actually, southern Nevada might actually end up being the worst. Like they, they might actually have it the actual worst. 
Yeah, because they've actually got like some really good, compelling teams out there too. <laughs> yeah, imagine imagine wanting to watch a late season Dodgers Giants game and not being able to. Uh, I, I mean, basically the entire National League West. Yeah, yeah, that's so screwed, man. I mean, like the this year the best, you know, the most competitive division in baseball, and you know, too bad. Yeah, just the too bad. Division. Hope you're. Hope you're a Yankees fan. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. Actually, this 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 picture would have been a lot better to read it off of. I'm realizing now because it's not just colored. It's also it also shows. It. So yeah, so yeah. Southern Las Vegas can't do Anaheim, Arizona, the Dodgers, Oakland, San Diego, and San Francisco. But I'm also guessing. No, no, that's everybody. That's everybody. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, we'll get off this and we'll start talking about. Soccer, I promise everyone. Oh man! Getting black belt. Thank you, Peacock. Man, there you go. Uh, welcome everyone to the Foreign Affair Podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as my, as always by my calling crime, Wes Bradshaw. We are bringing you the latest in the week that was in the Premier League and a dare I say saucy Champions League week, which for a few minutes saw the possibility that there was going to be one English team to actually win their match in the Champions League this week. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, if only. If only. Um, but we'll, we'll go over that. Uh, we have a little bit of news and notes to get through. And then we'll uh, we'll pimp out the athletic. We'll hit the watch floor. And uh, we will call it a night. Um, as always, podcast presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. And it is powered by Anchor via Spotify. If you want to get in on the action, send us a message via Anchor. You can find the link in the show description. Just click on that and you can send us a voice message. And if it's good enough, we'll play it on the show. All right. Uh, let's get into week six of the Premier League, which saw a bunch of very big matches. Um, notably, right out of the gate, uh, dare I say, suddenly scuffling Chelsea. Uh, falls to Man City 1-0. Who needs a striker when you have Gabriel Jesus in the 53rd minute, putting the citizens ahead and taking all three points? Uh, we spent a lot of time last week talking about how close these teams at the top were and this is a big one to get for city at Stamford bridge all three points big win for them uh aston villa speaking of going on the road goes into old trafford and comes out with a three nil win um a big 88th minute goal from courtney house taking it to the house um, gets the three points for Aston Villa there as uh, United stumble just a little bit more. Um, but they would have a dramatic comeback in the Champions League. It was kind of like the opposite of last week where they did well in the Premier League and then screwed up the cup. Well, they did the opposite this week. Um, meanwhile, Everton, free, freed of James Rodriguez, gets a 2-0 win over Norwich. Uh, a Townsend penalty and a Decore goal in the 77th minute to cap it off gets Everton the win there. Uh, West Ham comes back at the brink to beat Leeds 2-1. Kael Antonio's 90th minute goal wins it for the Hammers, who are doing quite well this season. Uh, Leicester, through the strength of Jamie Vardy, both positively and negatively, uh, draws Burnley 2-2. Uh, Vardy opened the scoring incorrectly for Burnley in the 12th minute. And then his brace, though, was able to get Leicester a point. Uh, and Burnley, too, very much need of a point. They come out of the KP with that. 
Uh, Wool, or sorry, Watford and Newcastle play to a 1-1 draw. Islamini Sar with the goal in the 72nd minute to get at least one point for the Hornets. Uh, and then in so far, one of the matches of the season, uh, almost coming out of nowhere, Brentford 3, Liverpool 3. Brentford's amazing start to the season continues. They are truly in dreamland. Yone Wissa with uh, the big goal in the final 10 minutes to pull Brentford level for the second time in the match. They get a point uh, uh, against Liverpool, uh, now joining Chelsea as the only teams to take points off Liverpool so far this season. And I believe they doubled uh, Liverpool's goals against in this one match, or tripled. They tripled it. Yes, they tripled Liverpool's goals against in this one match. Um, so just a back and forth, up and down match, one you love to see as a neutral, um, and hopefully a good sign of things to come for Brentford. Um, but Liverpool still do manage to save a point. Uh, Wolves on Sunday beat Southampton 1-0 thanks to Aroa. Will Jimenez's 61st minute goal. And Arsenal take the first edition of the North London Derby this year in style 3-1 uh, as they bossed Tottenham off the park in the first half. Youngman Sun's 79th minute goal was all Tottenham could do to spare themselves from a third straight 3-0 defeat in the Premier League as questions start to come of Nuno's job security. Just um, quick maths. Less than one-sixth of the way through the Premier League season. Nailed it. And then finally on Monday, Crystal Palace and Brighton and Hove drew 1-1 goals. Both in stoppage time. Zaha's penalty in first half stoppage time was canceled out in the 95th minute by Neil Mape to keep Brighton's hot start to the season going. Um, So definitely some surprises still up near the top of the table. Wes, um, as Liverpool currently do still sit atop of it, but they could have been out even further. They could have been a full three points clear of all those teams chasing them in second place. But Brentford holding strong at home, certainly one of the the big notes of the weekend, um, along with uh, United stumbling against Villa and City coming out strong against Chelsea. Uh, absolutely was. Uh, Brentford well-deserved their three points. A really good match, a really fun match uh, up and down the field. Every time it looked like Liverpool were about to run away from it, uh, Brentford pulling them back even. Um, uh, Liverpool definitely had some moments in this match where they were they were wasteful. I mean, let's just let's be honest here. Um Liverpool are the better team, were the better team for the most part, but you've got to put away your opportunities uh, when you have them. Um, notably, a earlier in the match, a goal line clearance where it looked like uh, Mo Salah was going to roll one in. Um, and at that point, you're just kind of like, is it going to be one of those days? Well, Liverpool ended up scoring three goals, uh, but really for the first time, since his return or since their return, uh, the back line just didn't look up to it on the day. Uh, there are some people, of course, there are people who have immediately freaked out over it because they just do that. But you know, really, when you look at it, you know, um, I think we've been spoiled as good as Van Dyke and Joel Maddup have been thus far this season. But, you know, the thing is, there's going to be days that pop up like this every now and then because, really, they're both coming off long-term injuries. Sure. 
Um, the fact that they played as well as they have has just been outstanding for the Reds. Um, but, you know, when you're in a match and you have really good chances, I think this just proves the adage, you, know, you have to take advantage of your chances when you can. Um, and Liverpool have no one to blame but themselves. Uh, yeah, they did score three goals, but you know what? If you scored four, you would have won. Yeah. So, uh, for the Reds, they got to watch themselves because you, you, of course, then you just, you hate dropping points to, even though Brentford have been good, don't get me wrong, you, you went in circling this match on your calendar as, all right, this is probably a win. You know, and when you have all three points in the bag and then you lose it, it just happens. Yeah, and, and just to put, uh, to put a cap on that, um, uh, Brentford uh, completing over 300 less passes in the match than Liverpool did, and still though putting up nearly as many shots. So Brentford, when they did, you're talking about you know not being wasteful for Liverpool when Brentford did have their scant amount of possession, they were able to make the most of it. And I tell you what, Wes, uh, I I don't expect many teams to be able to go blow for blow in this way as Brentford did. Um, so as you're saying, all credit to them and being able to, where I think a lot of teams, you know, especially since Brentford scored early, you know, at that point for the, for the, I hate to say it, but the lower tier clubs, you think you go up against Liverpool, you get a goal early and it's all right, hunker down and play for one nil or one, one. And Brentford gave up two goals and still came back twice. So big, big props to them. Absolutely. Big props um you know for liverpool it is kind of a missed opportunity with mm-hmm. all of your rivals around you losing uh well i mean other than city but city right. did of course beat chelsea so uh when united and chelsea are losing uh as liverpool you feel you need to take all three of those points and um you know give yourself a little more of the cushion but uh they do get a point it's not a totally lost cause liverpool do get a point so um you know move on move on next one up and uh Pretty, pretty big one coming up next. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, against City, you know, pulling those points against Chelsea, you know, we, we started to think, you know, in in that first couple weeks of the season, you know, maybe maybe Chelsea is the absolute cream of the crop here. Um, you know, City, of course, didn't get a striker, you know, this season, and people are like, well, uh, can they really rely on Gabriel Jesus for the entire time? And it and it really looked like you know, especially after the Champions League final between these two clubs, that maybe Chelsea had a little bit of City figured out here. Um, but full credit to uh, to Chelsea, obviously, for coming, or sorry, to City, for coming out and, and getting into Stamford Bridge and coming away with three big points because, I mean, th- this could have turned into, again, if, you know, if Chelsea win this match and Liverpool had pulled through against Brentford, all of a sudden those two teams are like uh, 16 points each. And three points clear, the Manchester teams. Then you start thinking, well, do we do we start seeing a bit of a two horse race? But but City have firmly now again reinserted themselves in the conversation. Uh, absolutely have, and it, kind of a strange game now. Chelsea are dealing with some injuries, as we know, uh, some COVID issues as well. But for a team who had who has recently had Manchester City's number. They really seemed to play as if they were they were 
almost play him like for a draw. Yeah. Or 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 uh, we'll let Stork go up one nil and defend for our lives. It was it, it was not what you expected from Chelsea. You expected Chelsea to come out maybe maybe swashbuckle a little bit in this because you know they they've had the advantage over um, you know over this city team, but yeah, at the end of the day, unable to get it done and. We'll see where this goes as the season goes along. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's still plenty of time left in the season. Again, just six uh, weeks in, so still 32 matches for all these clubs to play. Um, and and it is somewhat surprisingly, as we come out of this week, though, as we as we start to turn our, our eyes to the table here through week six, uh, all of a sudden it's Manchester City who have now given up the fewest goals in the Premier League so far. Just one goal still through six weeks. Uh, again, as I mentioned, Liverpool, um, I guess, ten, I don't know exactly how to say it. I guess they technically quadrupled it because they went from one to four. And to get from one to four, you have to do one times four. So anyway, stupid math. Um, but yeah, still still very strong teams at the top. And again, you have to think United missed an opportunity maybe uh, against Aston Villa at home to not to not get a few more points for themselves as well but very very close as we take a look at the table here Liverpool at 14 points and then it's City, Chelsea, United, Everton and Brighton and Hove all at 13 points. Um we've been down this road with Everton before. It does not end well. Um, and obviously Brighton maybe maybe punching above their weight a little bit, but I'm sure their fans just enjoying it while they can. Uh, West Ham right now at 11 points, Aston Villa at 10, and then Brentford right there with along with Arsenal and Tottenham at nine points. Uh, at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, uh, Newcastle right outside of it at three points, Leeds inside at three due to goal differential, uh, then Burnley at two points, Norwich still six matches in. Uh, zero points. It does look like this is going to be another uh, yo-yo season for Norwich. As we uh, as we do look here at the uh, the t- the uh, the the week that will be here coming up here, if NBC Sports' website Danes Danes itself to load. Um, Seven thirty a.m. on Saturday. Get it started with Manchester United versus Everton. Ten a.m. It's Chelsea Southampton along with Leeds, Watford, Wolves, Newcastle, Burnley, and Norwich. And then at 12.30, Brighton and Hove looking to keep their winning ways against Arsenal at the Amex. That is a suddenly very big game because as many good vibes as Arsenal, I'm sure, got from beating Tottenham this weekend, they fall to Brighton and Hove, which is a very distinct possibility. That sort of goes away again. Um, Speaking of Tottenham, on Sunday they'll be playing at 9 a.m. against Aston Villa. West Ham and Brentford also playing at 9 a.m. along with Palace and Leicester. And then 11.30 a.m., the big matches don't stop for Man City. Now they just went on the road to Stamford Bridge. Now they got to go to Anfield. And uh, you got to think someone's making a special pair of earplugs for Raheem Sterling as uh, as they travel to Liverpool. <laughs> that that match will be on Sunday uh, as we are will then be heading into uh, our second international break of the year. But Wes, you know, you know, some some important matches for teams, as I mentioned, you know, the the Brighton and Arsenal match. Um, but obviously, all eyes to Sunday at eleven thirty for for Liverpool City. Uh, it's an early season. It's a big one um, for 
Shoot, eight, nine years now, this has been a really big match. Uh, Liverpool seemed to always be one of the only teams that matches up well with City. Uh, mm-hmm. Chelsea, maybe he's catching up with them there. Um, and by, by that, I mean consistently play well with City. You know, Don't get me wrong, Man United's beat them some over the years. Other teams have beaten them. But it always seems like Liverpool play them really well. And uh, um, especially over the last three, four years, there's been some real fireworks in that match. So I'm looking forward to a big one. Um, was originally a little gutted thinking it was going to be on Saturday because I've got a, and a real college football game. Oh, oh no no! I thought I thought that was Randy Randelson doing those now. Oh, I'm saying I have a real one to go to. I'm going to see these Carolina Pirates this Saturday. So. Oh, of course, I... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see the Pirates play. Wow. Um, I don't know about Randy. I don't think Randy has a game this week. I think uh, battling Bishops are on the road. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. I was like, I I, I did think Randy, good old Randy, was going to have a, a few weeks off, but. Uh, but that's good. That's good. And uh, yeah, we'll be Poor able to Randy, <laughs> we'll be able to get his thoughts. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe he'll yeah. join the pod Poor one day Randy, and uh, talk about battling Bishop's oh, football. You never. <laughs> oh God! Why would he do that? But uh, but but I was lucky. I was thinking that game was going to be on Saturday, and actually, it's a Sunday uh, kickoff for uh, Liverpool and um, Manchester City. So I'm I'm personally I'm very excited. Yeah, I, as neutrals, we are all very excited. This, I guess, you said this is pr- actually we, we we like to hype up matches here on the podcast as as a lot of pundits do. This is match of the century stuff. Um, but Liverpool City has been one of those rivalries over the last four or five years that has managed to consistently deliver really good matches. So so yeah, very excited this weekend for that. Um, and, and you got to think that, again, going into an international break, uh, both teams are going to want to make a really strong showing here as they go forward. So uh, that is the week that was in the Prem. Uh, let's head to the Champions League where uh, where uh, things did not go as well for some clubs that, that it did go well for in the Premier League. Um, let's start in Group A. Um, mm, yeah. Um, despite playing really, 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 really well, actually, um, Manchester City fall to Paris Saint-Germain 2-0. Uh, Idrissa uh, Gouye, uh, go ahead. Uh, I just had to call him, sir. Oh, oh, no big deal. Um, Idrissa Gouye with the goal in the eighth minute, and then Lionel Messi prov- providing another moment of Messi magic in the 74th to break City's back. Uh, City were very much in this game, uh, had a ton of the possession, a ton of the possession in PSG's half, but could not break them down in the final section um, to really take hold of that match. Uh, and otherwise, elsewhere, uh, Club Bruges, um, showing that, you know, maybe they're kind of for real in this group after drawing PSG in their first match. They come back to beat Leipzig 2-1 uh, with a pair of goals uh, coming uh, in, in the, the first half. Um, so right now, PSG and Bruges at four points. City are at three. Leipzig are at nil. And and Wes, you know, this was this has got to be one of those 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 gut punch matches again for City in the Champions League obviously doesn't knock them out, not even close. 
but this is a match where they played really, really well for large stretches and somehow still find themselves on the losing end to another tournament favorite. Um, you know, I think these are the kind of matches where City not having that proven striker-type goal scorer, mm-hmm. this is where it's hurting them. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not against Norwich, <laughs> where you know you get so many chances that you'll you'll eventually score four or five just because you have so many chances. We get them. Um, it it, ha- it comes to show in these big matches when you're facing the in the league the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, the Manchester United's of the world, and in Europe when you're facing someone like a um, a, a PSG, where you're just you're just not you may be a little more talented overall, but you're not just that much better than them that you can just roll your ball out there and do things. Um, there's a reason that people want to have the big time strikers, the goal scorers, those guys who go out and do it. There's a reason they want those players and why they pay premium top dollar for them. And that's because in the big games, the ones where it really matters, where, you know, you can't just dance around and do a bunch of trickery and score goals. When you need somebody who can make something out of nothing and score a goal, that's why you have a, um, a Lukaku or a Harry Kane or a guy by Munich who, uh, Lewandowski, mm-hmm. or even, you know, even for Liverpool, um, you know, Mane and Salah, uh, they do it as, as wingers, but you've still got those those big-time proven goal scorers. And I'm sorry, Manchester City, just they don't have one. Manchester City has some awesome players. I mean, just yes. some amazing players. Um, but, you know, just having amazing players doesn't do it. You've got to have a team around you. And um, right now... City, City are going to win a lot of matches this year, don't get me wrong. But I think that we've seen that when it comes to the biggest of the big matches, and, I mean, they could go beat Liverpool 3-0 this weekend, you know, and oh, yeah. you'll be like, yeah, Wes, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But overall, in those big matches, when they're close and when you need that guy who can give you that moment of inspiration, that's where you want that that big-time goal scorer. And uh, City tried in the offseason. Maybe you know, a Tottenham fan will say didn't try quite hard enough, but you know <laughs> they did try to go out. They tried to go out and get Kane. They tried to go get Cristiano Ronaldo, two guys who definitely would have helped fill the void that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were unable to get them, and now they go to war with what they've got. And it's. Um, it just it just seems like it's a little bit lacking. That group's just a little bit lacking. Yeah, and I think one of the big things that we see because it, it's funny because coming into this match, you know, City's flying high a little bit after after getting their win against Chelsea, and and it seems like PSG is in a bit of turmoil around Messi. You know, he's he's mismatched due to injury. He's you know he got substituted. People are already calling for Pochettino's head. You know, st- things like that, and and yet. When it came right down to it, for as many as many great players as you said, City have as many 
almost stars that they do have, P- PSG is just a team of actual stars. And when it comes right down to it sometimes, that's what you need to win you a match is just sheer star power. And and, and PSG have multiple guys who can do that. Um, and so that seems to be right now the biggest difference, which it, it seems kind of weird saying City doesn't have star power, but... I think again. I think they have a lot of very good players, but I don't. I I don't know at this moment who would actually be their start. Maybe it's Grealish. I, I don't. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to make this group again very interesting, and we'll see how the return leg goes. But obviously, City now one point back, currently in third place, but still tons of time to make up ground. Um, over to Group B, where uh, Liverpool thrash Porto. Five uh, one um, was was two nil at the half, but goals uh, Salah's second goal of the match, along with a brace from Firmino within four minutes, uh, gave Liverpool all the cushion they needed. Um, elsewhere, it was Atletico at the death with a late, 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 late show penalty uh, converted by Luis Suarez after Griezmann's 84th minute goal to beat uh, Milan 2-1. Uh, and in a group that can be decided by inches, Atletico getting getting this absolute lifeline at the end of their match against uh, Milan to, uh, to take hold of second place in this group, Wes. Uh, they did. Um... It was one of those, I was obviously keeping an eye on that group. Um, I was very excited for what Milan was doing, and then all of a sudden it just it just didn't happen. Uh, goals for uh, Antoine Griezmann getting his first goal since coming back to Milan um, in what has thus far not been a very positive move. Back. Um, I don't think it's working for anybody right now, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, he gets that, and then the somewhat controversial handball. Yeah, um, sees uh, sees Luis Suarez pop it right down the middle for the winner, and um, yeah, you know they they got it done. Um, and that puts Atletico in second on four points. Hell, I was very happy with the draw personally, because <laughs> that left that left Atletico with two points, and you know Milan down there with one. So uh, you know, I was I was quite fine with that. But um, uh, now AC Milan look like they could, they're they're in big trouble early on. Um, obviously. Liverpool and Atletico are the cream of, uh, of the crop in Group B this year in the Champions League. They're the cream of the crop. Um, yeah, and and again, that does that does make um, uh, this this next matchup coming in a couple weeks here as Liverpool travel to Madrid. Uh, very very big because if Atletico are able to pull off the win, Atletico actually would go top of the group. But again, that would be only halfway through and there would be a return leg at Anfield to deal with. Um, but of course, Atletico was one of those teams just a few years ago to knock Liverpool out of the Champions League in the knockout stage. Um, so obviously revenge on the mind for Liverpool uh, players. A lot of those who were in that match. 
um, as those pair of matches are coming up here soon. Um, over in Group C, it is uh, it is fairly cut and dry at this point. Ajax with a tidy 2-0 win over Besiktas and Dortmund getting their lone goal from Danielle Malin um, to beat Sporting 1-0. Uh, so Ajax and Dortmund currently at six points. The other two teams are both at zero. Uh, and it looks like it's Ajax and Dortmund to see who tops the group at this point, which uh, I don't think is really much of a surprise to anyone, Wes. Um, say yeah, you know, it was a surprise. Go ahead and tell. It's group D. Let's go to group D. Um, where damn. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was supposed to be like, you know, we, we were looking at this draw and it's like, all right, well, you know, Real have struggled a little bit in recent years. You know, they had a really slow start to the Champions League campaign last year. Uh, Inter coming off of, of winning Serie A, even though they, they also stumbled in the Champions League. Shakhtar can sometimes be that sort of banana peel club, always buying the Brazilians. And then there's some club called Sheriff Tiraspol. You know, who, who cares about that? But you know, there's three pretty storied teams in this group here that can that can make a lot of noise. Um, and somehow it's Sheriff that currently tops this group at six points um, after beating Real Madrid 2-1. Um, Kareem Benzema's penalty in the 65th minute looked to be Madrid's lifeline and to get back and wrestle control of the match. But instead, it was Sebastian Shoot to Thill who buried one in the 90th minute uh, off a corner to win it for Sheriff Tiraspol in Madrid 2-1. Sheriff, uh, along with their win over Shakhtar in the opening week, are now at six points. Real are at three, and uh, Shakhtar and Inter played to a nil-nil draw, so they are both at one point. Um, and and Wes, this this sheriff result has completely thrown the uh, the the group on its head or turned it on its head. Um, and you know, Real only got a one nil win at Inter last time. They're going to be fighting for for points now, and all of a sudden, you know, where it looked like Real Madrid and Inter Milan would be the two teams getting out of this group, now there's a chance going forward that one of those teams doesn't end up making it out. Man, I'll tell you, just what an absolute day of watching. Uh, just keep your eyeballs going all over there. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the, the sheriff comes through, kicks in the door, and, uh, you know, they, they, they took control, and they, they've taken control of the group right now. Yeah. So, yeah, good times, man. Uh, Real sitting in all kinds of trouble right now. Well, I guess they're sort of in trouble, but I think more than anything, it's it's more an indictment on just where Real are as a club right now. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and you just have to go back to their their first Champions League match against Inter where Rodrigo gets that goal in the 89th minute. And if that doesn't go in and you think Madrid right now could be sitting at one point that that's, that's how close they were. 
Um, so yeah, this was th- this could be even worse right now for Al and, and slightly better for Inter. Uh, but yeah, that Group D is is completely turned around. Um, group E, sort of going how we thought it was. To an extent, uh, Bayern Munich continuing to pound everything in their path. The, the German the German war machine well and truly online as they beat Dynamo Kiev 5-0. But Wes, you know, losing to Bayern Munich at home 3-0 is one thing. But being Barcelona and going to Benfica and losing 3-0 there with all due respect to the good people in Portugal that support Benfica. What in the fuck is wrong with your club? And remember, I did say with all due respect. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, they're just, they're rotten, man. Um, this is bad. I mean, I don't think anybody can really figure out like, Really, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but it's it's absolutely insane right now with Barcelona. Uh, you know, they've got guys who they're having to depend on who look like they have no desire to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys who do desire to be there, it just seems like they're they're just they're not good enough wearing that shirt. Uh, this whole Ronald Koeman, I don't ever think it was even a Ronald Koeman experiment. Yeah. <laughs> just, I was just he was the only guy who would take the job. He, he was the only one who understood what a shit show it was, but just wanted the job bad enough he took it anyway. Um, man, it's bad. And, you know, apparently they're doing some things to free up some money. So, uh, you know, maybe they can reinforce next summer. But the problem is, you know, I mean, hell, they've been spending money like they had it anyway for a long time. And just look at the situation they got themselves in. Obviously, spending money isn't the cure-all be-all for everything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, and and of course now, you know, the rumors fly. You know, they're going back. They want pet back. It's like, no, watch, watch me, please watch me. Um, I, I think for Barcelona to get back to any semblance of real success, I mean, not finishing just top four in La Liga and maybe winning the Copa del Rey or something, for real success, they're going to have to find that manager who comes in and just, you know, starts the revolution again. Yeah. Um, they, they need to figure out from the top down what their goal is and what they're willing to do and what they're willing to take a hit on to get to where they want to be. Um, and until they do that, excuse me, until they do that at the very least, at the very least, Barcelona is going to continue to scuffle along. Um, and not only that, it's just, it's never going to get better. Yeah. It's never well, going to get better until they try to, until they try to get away from the damn quick fix. And hopefully, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, it would be a very short term fix. 
Um, but it seems that the long, strange saga of Sergio Aguero coming to Barcelona may, may be reaching its its end here as, uh, as there are reports that he will be joining Barcelona and ready to play for them after this upcoming international break. So may, maybe that kind of player can turn around Barcelona's fortune again. Um, but again, that is with, with Aguero's age, even though he could still be very good, he is he is a short-term fix, which Barcelona has been really big into these last couple of years. Um, so we'll see if that that uh, that helps them at all. But right now you have Baron leading this group on six points. Benfica now are at four. Dynamo are at one. Barcelona are at zero points. They absolutely have to get something out of this next match at home against uh, Kiev. Or they could be facing the proposition of, well, should we just go ahead and finish fourth and bomb out of Europe entirely? Instead of having to go to the Europa League. Because, I mean, could you fucking imagine Barcelona in the Europa League? Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now that very much looks like where they're heading to. If they don't really turn it around, and I just don't see where they're turning it around. I don't see where they have the guys to turn it around. So... Can you imagine it? We might not have to imagine it very much longer because they've got four. They've got four matches to get this thing straight. And I'm sorry, I'm not putting my damn money on uh, Barcelona at this point. Yeah, it's uh, it's a scary proposition for fans of the Catalan club. Um, as we head over to Group F, um, we we were this close to being able to have a very similar talk about Manchester United. Very, very similar talk. Um, but they, they did pull through in the end. Um, they they do beat Villarreal 2-1. Uh, Alex Tellis with an, an equalizer in the 60th minute. Uh, and then Ronaldo at the death for United, uh, which I guess is their game plan this year. Wait wait for Ronaldo to save them at the end. That's great, great, great game management, Ole. Great, great game management. Um, elsewhere, Atalanta beats those young boys uh, 1-0 through Matteo Piscina's uh, 68th-minute goal, uh, which sees Atalanta go top the table. Uh, young boys and United are currently tied in second, but young boys, because of the head-to-head, are currently sitting above United and Villarreal currently on just one point. Uh, but again, Wes, this is this was a, uh, a, a very brief moment where we were thinking all of a sudden United could be sitting at just one point um, through their through their first two matches as well and and be looking at another uh, Champions League group stage exit. But instead, they, they've they've the word of the day is lifeline and United have certainly been given one. Uh, they have. And I'm going to say, man, right now, only got ourselves are. I hope he's sending uh, Cristiano Ronaldo an extremely expensive organic uh, fruit basket. <laughs> because, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, we, we said he would score goals. We didn't, you know, we weren't totally um, convinced that he was going to really help the way they played. But... He's scoring goals, and his goals right now are keeping Manchester United alive in Europe and keeping them near the top of the Premier League right now. But um, 
you just got to you've got to worry a little bit for you if you're a United fan that you know sooner or later the, them goals are going to run out or you know he can, he can't score every match. Mm-hmm. You know he he can't score every match. So um, <laughs> yeah, I mean eventually something's got to give. So uh, what what's United what's United going to do? I mean that's the thing. You know, what's United's um, master plan? When give it to Ronaldo doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that that didn't work so well for Juventus last year. Um, I I can't imagine it's gonna work super well with United at the end of the day. United do have a little more talent on their end, but um, yeah, this is uh, this is not looking super positive right now for United in the uh, the Champions League. Um, and, and what is a very winnable group for them uh, at the moment. But, um, hey, they're, they're in the thick of things. They have a match against At- Atalanta coming up. If they win that one, then everything's back on track. But if they lose, things, things will start to get very dicey. Uh, over in the next last group, Group G, um, Red Bull Salzburg have taken control. At least one Red Bull team is doing well in the Champions League this year. Uh, Salzburg, through a pair of penalties, beats Lille 2-1. Uh, and Sevilla and Wolfsburg play to a 1-1 draw. Uh, Ivan Rakitic with a late, late equalizer penalty uh, to, to steal a point against Wolfsburg. Uh, Salzburg right now at four points. Sevilla and Wolfsburg at two. And Lille over at one. And then finally in Group H... Uh, Chelsea, again, I said they might be almost, dare I say, scuffling a little bit. Uh, they lose 1-0 to Juventus, Federico Chiesa with the goal. Um, very important win for Juventus uh, as they are they are trying to to build their season back up. Uh, they're now at six points in the group. Uh, after And Zenit pounded Malmo 4-0. So right now Chelsea and Zenit both on three points, Malmo at zero. Um, but Wes, you know, this is, this is where we, you know, we maybe pump the brakes a little bit on Chelsea being the insane world beaters that they look to be the first month of the season and maybe start just backing up just, just a little, little bit. Yeah. You know, we mentioned earlier, they're dealing with some injuries, um, um, Ingolo Conte, who's so important to them, is out right now uh, with with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just how it's going to be, and I mean, there, there's going to be ebbs and flows to everything. There's going to be ebbs and flows in this season, and it's just going to be how do, how the teams um, how the teams cope with them, and how quickly can they find a way to um, to, uh, to to bounce back from them. That's what's that's what's just really important for uh, for these teams, and that's what's uh, going to be important for Chelsea. Chelsea just they're having a moment right now. They're scuffling, um, and we'll we'll have to see if they're able to get themselves out of it. And this is one of those things where, and and again, this is just just this has just been two matches, and they're not like blowouts or anything. But you know, with a manager like Tuchel. With with a team and an organization that has been, let's say, a little trigger happy in the past with firing managers, um, 
I, I don't think this is necessarily like the same kind of group that would just let it just spiral out of control at Chelsea. But there, there is, a, there is a little bit of history there where if there, you start to see a few more results like this, you know, in the, in the next month or so, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Roman gets, gets, gets that itch again and, uh, and thinks about making a change. But, uh, yeah, right now still, still for the course. Um, and so that is that is your Champions League look. Uh, as Wes mentioned, uh, uh, Conte was out for this match. Uh, Pulisic, Mount, and uh, James were also out um, for the match. And other injury news, uh, Granit Xhaka uh, will be out for three months for Arsenal. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and Harry Maguire will also be out a few weeks um, due to a calf injury. Those reports from, from Bleacher Report. Uh, as we head to the news and notes, Wes, uh, we start with a bit of a sad story um, over uh, from the BBC um, this coming uh, just about a week ago. Um, Derby County has officially entered administration. Uh, they've been deducted 12 points um, in, in the uh, the championship. So they are now currently sitting at negative two points at the bottom of the table. Um, owner Mel Morris said the coronavirus pandemic had cost them about 20 million pounds in lost revenue. Um, and they are looking into, uh, uh, right now the, uh, the club has apparently lost their owner in excess of 200 million pounds to date. Um, they're, they're trying to do stadium sales. They're trying to do a bunch of other things. Um, uh, but it is, it is looking very bleak. For Derby County right now, as uh, as um, as we pull, I pull up this side story here. Steve McLaren uh, has stepped down as technical director um, to try and save some money partially, um, but we'll also be um, we'll be trying to stay on in a um, um, but uh, as he offered to leave to help uh, preserve other jobs across the football club. Um, so as obviously Derby County, a very a very storied. English football club uh, going through some incredibly tough times right now. Uh, they are. And it's just, it, it's something that kind of just seems like it happens sometimes. And this, in this atmosphere, especially it's tough. Um, Post COVID work. Teams lost a lot of money. <laughs> like the man said, teams lost a lot of money. And um, not everybody's been able to pull out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's sad, especially for a team like Derby, who, as you said, are more of a, are a historic club. It's one that, you know, you would feel there, there's, there's got to be somebody out there who, you know, wants to go and save the club. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's um, – Sadly, it's, it's just what it is right now. And you know, Derby aren't located. Derby aren't like a London team where you know you can find the huge revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just they're Derby, they're Derby. And unless you find someone, I think who's passionate about Derby themselves, then I just um, I don't know how they're going to be able to pull themselves out of this. And this will be a super super sad ending. For uh, for what really has been a great club for a long time, 
Um, as uh, as uh, let me uh, former Leech United Chairman Gerald Krasner, um, who is also uh, an insolvency expert, um, told the BBC Derby, "quote If they don't sell the club, then it's liquidation and expulsion like Bury and clubs before them. That would be a great shame with a history like Derby's." Um, and this, of course, comes mm-hmm. after uh, the 1984 crisis that Derby also faced. Um, so we'll see. Um, how that goes right now again they are they're sitting very much at the bottom of the table right now uh, in the championship and have one hell of a hole to pull themselves out of um, with with this massive point deduction so um, we'll go we'll move on a little bit um, and into slightly better news here um, this coming from the athletic and Jack Pitbrook uh, the government may relax isolation rule for Premier League's red list internationals Yay! Yay! Um, the Premier League's international players from Red List Nations are set to have their COVID-19 quarantines relaxed when returning to their clubs under new plans. Uh, it's being considered by the government. Uh, they're pr- planning to exempt footballers returning from those countries from having to observe 10 days of mandatory hotel quarantine. Instead, the players would be allowed to isolate for just five days in their club bubbles before returning to full action. Um you know, which which makes a lot of sense. You know, a lot of the clubs, as long as they're they're taking good precautions, and a lot of these clubs that have these internationals have a ton of money to do this. Uh, you know, Tottenham has their own sort of like hotel on the grounds that their players can stay in. So, um, hopefully, hopefully, this kind of eases the tension that we saw in in the last round of 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 uh, World Cup qualifiers where. Yeah, we're so we don't see you know Argentinian Brazil matches getting uh, getting stopped in the middle of play anymore, um, and and things like that. Um, because yeah, Wes, like for for players having to come back and then miss essentially ten days is is brutal, especially if this if these sort of international breaks are going to come up about once every five or six weeks. I mean, absolutely, it's. You know, it has the opportunity to absolutely wreak havoc on on uh, the domestic leagues around Europe, especially. And it was ridiculous three weeks ago when we dealt with this. <laughs> and it would be completely ridiculous to have to deal with this again. So, you know, at least it looks like they're trying to make some sort of an effort. But, I mean, really, just get with the program and figure this shit out. Yeah, because this is uh, th- this is not the way this needs to go. Um, one uh, interesting article, um, sort of a back and forth by Oliver K and Joey D'Urso, coming um, from the Athletic, uh, with the headline, I "Don't really love it." Would the Premier League abroad one day be such a bad thing? The a- the answer is yes. Don't 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 misunderstand it. The answer is yes. Um, but they do try to have a, a little bit of a back and forth here um, with uh, with Durso kind of taking on the sort of um, the sort of uh, the role of well, you know you know there's there's fans in other countries and stuff and they're they're just as important as as you know the fans who go to the matches and blah 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 and 
they talk one of the the lines he he mentions that i really didn't like i want to pull it back up here so i need to really quickly search for it um yeah uh, the, the the talking about norwich um not trying to make some more money here and he makes the line a match abroad is a much better way for a club such as norwich to make extra cash than an offshore gambling sponsor using pornography in its marketing to which i would reply just because one of those things is bullshit doesn't mean both can't be bullshit those are both terrible ideas like i that that's such a terrible way to make your argument. Like, here's this incredibly stupid thing. This incredibly this other incredibly stupid thing will make it so you don't have to do the first incredibly stupid thing. Like, no, they're they're both stupid. Like that doesn't that doesn't help your argument. It just heightens the fact that both are really stupid. So I I, I don't know. Like I, I, I get that at at the end of the day, it sucks because again, it's a ton more travel. For, for Premier League teams in what is already going to be a crazy schedule. If, you know, we, we get the every two-year World Cup, you know, that's more international travel for a lot of these players. You know, the there's the FIFA Club World Cup they've been talking about where you're already, I'm sure, going to be traveling again. Like, at, at a certain point, like in a, in a world where COVID starts to become manageable, you know, 20 years from now, um, at, <laughs> I just, I just all, um, this is again, what the preseason matches are for this. This is what it's for. I, I, I fully, fully do not expect or want the premier league to, to do it. And if they do it, it's nothing other than a naked cash grab. It's not for fans. It's not for growing the game. It's for money. That's it. Plain and simple. Exactly, a league who makes just hand over fist money. By God, we gotta try to make more money. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. To me, that's not something I want to see by any means. Um, you know, we we didn't grow up on the Premier League like a lot of people did, but I believe you and I are a little more traditional in our thinking about it. <laughs> and I, I don't. Just stop it. We don't need real Premier League matches in Miami for Charlie Stellatano to sell. (laughs) I mean, it's um, I'm 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 not. I don't support it. I'll tell you that much. I I have no real love for that idea at all. Yeah, same. And and they also try to mention with like, well, you know the. The NBA and the NFL and, and Major League Baseball are, are playing matches abroad. You know why, why not? Why not do the like? No, those are stupid too. Like well, like, and and also there there are 162 Major League games. There's 81 or 82 yeah. NBA games. The NFL. I really I can't figure that shit out. I, I think they're doing it with the hope of just uh, really. I think they're doing that with the hope of somehow coming up with some idea where they can, uh, uh, where they can have a team in London, which doesn't make a hill of damn sense to me. But <laughs> whatever, I, I'm, that would be the worst. God, I'm not that person. But uh, don't don't even get me started on the on how 
fucking pissed off like you would make every player in the NFLPA, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but really the NBA and Major League Baseball with all the, with the number of matches that they had, it makes, you know, it makes sense that you can do something like that with the number of matches that they play. So, um, yeah, and it's just, I just think it's a very different, um, this is a very different animal for the Premier League. Yeah, and again, like, I, I guess you take away, I, I don't know if there's a way where you can do it where every team only plays one match. Like, I don't know if you just do, like, you say, okay, match week 21 is just going to be everybody goes to to America and plays a match. But then, like, so oh, half yeah. the teams lose a home match. So then are you, are you doing two two weeks? So so everybody loses a home match instead of just half the teams? Like, I, I, I don't like it. And I think the other thing in the NFL – that that could sort of make it work, although I don't think they actually do this, or maybe they did it at one point, but don't do it anymore. Is you could at least structure a team's bye week to be after the London match. So it's like, all right, you go over there, you play your match, and then you have an extra week off before your next match or for your next game to rest up and and kind of that. like that. I can almost kind of see there's no time in the calendar anymore to do that in the premier league. You can't, you can't just take a week off unless it's the international break. And then again, it's the fucking international break. Like, ah, I hate this idea so much. So, but, but Hey, when, when you end the article, your, your, your side of the debate with uh, this wouldn't, this really wouldn't be that bad. It could be fun. Well, you convinced me with a with a resounding position like that. My God. Um, all right, that that's gonna do it uh, about for the news and notes. I was gonna talk about an, uh, this an article by Matt Slater, which you can go read um, on your own, uh, titled "Was the Super League Illegal? Why UEFA is in Court with Barcelona, Juventus, and Real Madrid," um, which pretty much just comes down to ego at this point. Um, but again, Matt Slater has been on this from pretty much the beginning. Um, so go check them out for that. Um, but that is obviously just one of the many great articles on the athletic and we like to pimp some more of them. Uh, Wes, uh, what amazing and wonderful articles, I imagine maybe one or two of them from the world of college football. Do you have for us to pimp this week? And so on top of things, as always, uh, we're going to start with one of my favorites on there, Mr. Andy Staples. Yeah. Andy Staples, Andy Staples is just freaking great. He is. Um, and uh, this week, there are, God, there are two monster games in the Southeastern Conference this week. Uh, one of them, uh, the noon game this weekend, somehow this is the fucking noon game, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs uh, hosting Arkansas, the Real one of the real national surprises, the Arkansas Razorbacks, um, uh, a team who has beaten Texas and Texas A and M, um, and now find themselves in the top ten in the country after just being abysmal for a few years there. 
great story there. Uh, but the the game, I think the game of the week, the uh, CBS Saturday afternoon game, uh, the Rebels of Ole Miss heading to Alabama as Lane Kiffin attempts to become the first ever former assistant of Nick Saban to beat Nick Saban head-to-head. Crazy that that's ever happened, and Saban has this like, huge coaching tree. Uh, to, you know, the two teams we just mentioned, Georgia and Arkansas, both of their coaches. Well, well I know Kirby Smart was. Uh, Kirby Smart was a Saban guy. I believe Sam Pittman coached with Saban as well. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, but that's the big one on Saturday is Ole Miss in Alabama. And Andy Staples did a did a really nice story on uh, Ole Miss's quarterback Matt Corral, who somehow he's a, I mean this is a Southern California kid who ended up in the Deep South um, playing to Lane Kiffin, and it's a really really interesting story. It's a really good story. He's turned himself into uh, right now a potential number one pick in the draft. Uh, he's one of the favorites for the Heisman Trophy at the moment. Um, and he's taken a very interesting journey, a journey which um, included him being a topic for TMZ when he was in high school for getting into like a brawl with Wayne Gretzky's kid. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Corral, he's he's had a great year. He's been an awesome player for Ole Miss, and um, that, that's that's one of the big preview stories coming up for this week. So uh, definitely, definitely want to check that one in. Um, looking good. And, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, was that your was that your last story? Uh, no, I had one more. I was going to throw out there. Um, uh, college basketball, of all things, because you know, whatever. Uh, North Carolina has their new head coach Hubert Davis. A uh, really interesting story here from Dana O'Neill. All hoops, no hoopla. Underestimate North Carolina's Hubert Davis at your own risk. Mm. Um, you and I, well, I know you, you're you're alumni, of yes. course, of the University of. I don't know how big a fan you are, but you're alumni still, nonetheless. I like the basketball uh, I, team. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I grew up as a Carolina basketball fan, um, and I, I remember Hubert Davis very well when I was a kid. Um, I liked him when I was a kid. He was one of Carolina's better players his years he was there. And he's just, you know, he's taken this journey and gotten where he is. And it's um, it's an interesting journey. He's the first minority head coach at the University of North Carolina. <laughs> and honestly, that statement to me is kind of, it's a little eye-rolling, <laughs> actually, because you know, I could understand it if, you know, I could understand making a deal if North Carolina had, like, you know, uh, had, like, run, had just cycled through coaches over the years and, you know, had always overlooked uh, maybe a minority hire. But, I mean, this is UNC who's had, like, who's had four head coaches in our lifetime and, like, five in the modern era. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like UNC just keeps going and, and always is uh, ignoring minority hires. No, they're just, I mean, God, 
Dean Smith was there forever. Bill Guthridge was there. We know why he was there. Uh, Matt Darty is really the only kind of like, what were you doing kind of high? Um, and then, I mean, Roy Williams was, uh, no doubt about it, slam dunk. You know, you're absolutely insane if you're not hiring this man. <laughs> uh, but Hubert Davis, back to the story, Hubert Davis, um, I, I, I do I do believe it's, it's a new era for North Carolina basketball. Um, it will be different. And I just, you know, I hope he's given the time and the patience by the fan base to um, – to really do what he possibly can do there. And yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm not a Carolina basketball fan anymore, but I'm pulling for Hubert Davis. I'll put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like a great guy. And I, I actually had not seen this story yet, but I, I now have it saved because I'm, I'm very intrigued. Uh, one, because Dan O'Neill yeah. is a fantastic writer uh, on, on the athletic, dare I say the Andy Staples of college basketball for the athletic. Oh, <laughs> high praise i know uh, but also because i know this was uh this is a very big hire because as you said uh carolina doesn't change basketball coaches very right, often so this right. was a very right. big story um i did really want to quickly touch on one of your other stories though um before i get into my my athletic stuff um and one thing i know i i read a couple articles this week because sh- surprise of all surprise mike wilbon said something incredibly stupid on pti this week um okay. Um, my, my, my question to you is this, and because I know you follow the college football at this point a lot more closely than I do, um, has any coach, we'll say coach or, or even player, um, done as much to resuscitate their, their brand and image as Lane Kiffin has these last like four or five years? Cause like last, I remember him when I was really into college football, was him getting left mm-hmm. on the tarmac at USC, and, and being yeah. and being kind of a dick, um, and right. now it's in right. reading up on it, it's like oh he uh-huh. and I knew he went to Alabama and became a coordinator for Saban, but uh-huh. like I didn't really know much about his story, but it seems like he's he's found a much better way of walking the line between being an asshole and being funny, and is also <laughs> now like a, a little bit more of a keep his head down and and, and grind it out kind of guy. So I, I was really surprised by that, but I, cause I can't remember anyone who has done sort of a, a near 180 on their image like that. Right. So Nick Saban, God, Nick Saban is just an amazing, Nick Saban is just amazing. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that to start with. Um, Nick Saban, basically they joke, say he runs like a uh, a rehab center for um for, for failed head coaches uh-huh. and i mean that's that's basically what it is you know you start looking around the country at guys i mean uh steve sarkeesian lane kiffin uh now bill bill o'brien is the offensive coordinator now uh there's there's been a handful of other ones um who have come through and you know it's it's like something happened and it didn't work out at their last job and they come in there and they're able to refocus. I mean, you're learning from, you learn under the wing of the, let's call it like it is folks. The greatest college football coaches ever lived is fucking Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have seen it. In, we have seen it in front of our eyes. I mean, yeah. I mean, just the numbers back it up. 
<laughs> the numbers back it up. He's done at multiple schools. The numbers back it up, and uh, it's what it is. Uh, but Lane Kiffin came in, basically was not allowed to talk to the media for two years, <laughs> which was really good, which is a really good thing. And like you said, he put his head down. He worked on his craft. He became a better coach for it. He went to um, Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic. Uh-huh. Um, and really elevated that program and then got the chance at LSU or LSU. I'm sorry. at Ole Miss mm-hmm. and took over Ole Miss really at a tough time. Um, they had some probation issues. Uh, Matt Luke was their head coach and it just it didn't work out there for him. And Lane came in and Lane has He's done a really good job of still kind of being a little snarky and a little assholeish, mm-hmm. but but understanding, you know what, there is a time and place for me to do this, and it's not all the time and everywhere. <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, Lane, has, he's done an amazing job, and and the whole thing comes up. Everybody's bringing up, you know, being left on the tarmac because, of course, USC is now looking for a head coach, and the consensus is. Well, you know, the perfect guy, if he, if he didn't have the background there, the perfect guy would be Lane Kiffin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that would be the perfect hire, you know. He's he's young. He is energetic. He kills it on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, he's got the personality for L.A. He, he brings the offense, you know, that they would like to see. He would be the perfect hire if you hadn't fired him on the tarmac yes. and basically told him to fuck off years ago. Um. But he is back in the news big time on that. And this week, he's he's got a national spotlight this week. Mm-hmm. And Lane Kiffin, Lane loves the spotlight. Yes, he does. And he's got that chance to go into Tuscaloosa. He's, he's a big under. Here's the thing. Well, <laughs> Ole Miss I, doesn't so have. Can I, can I just pause you for right. one second? I got to go help Jack sure. or something. Um, but I, I'll be sure. right back and uh, you can pick up from there. Okay. Okay, cool. All right.
All right. So sorry, my friend uh, Jack had um, Jack is doing some streaming and needed a little bit of tech help. So, but, but um, yeah, you're uh, you're free to pick back up now wherever you were. I think you were talking about uh, the right, spotlight yeah. being back on him this weekend for the game. Uh, and you know, really, the big thing for Ole Miss is. They don't really have to go into Tuscaloosa and win this weekend because no one expects you to go to Tuscaloosa and win. Oh, of course. Um, but uh, you know, Lane does have a chance to uh, go in there. Uh, Matt Corral has a chance to go in there. And you know, last year they gave Alabama the best game that Bama had all last season. If they can go in and do that again. And, uh, you know, if they can just light up a scoreboard, even if they end up losing, that could be really big for both Corral uh, and his Heisman hopes, his uh, first pick in the draft hopes, and also for Lane in this continued rehabilitation of his own image mm-hmm. uh, to go in in the biggest game of the, of the week um, and just show people that, hey, you know, here at Ole Miss, we're, we're here to play football and you know, we, we put a really good product on the field. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it, it's going to be a really interesting uh, Saturday afternoon in Tuscaloosa. Well, that is a, a, a nice prelude to uh, to Liverpool City on Sunday will be Alabama oh, Ole Miss yeah. on Saturday. So big weekend of, of, of football, no matter, no matter your, your predilection. Um, my couple articles, one uh, by Evan Drellich um, on The Athletic. Rays plan to split time between Montreal, Florida, still draw skepticism two years on. Um, and, you know, one of the first quotes is from team president Matt Silverman, who said they're going to add a sign in right field foul territory for the playoffs that with a very simple Tampa Bay Montreal graphic. Okay. I'm... <laughs> Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, but more about this weird idea to to split time between two locations in this article from Evan Drellich. Um, I would point to the fact that Toronto has had to play in three different home stadiums this year uh, and, and may just miss the playoff by a game or two. And if they do, that could be a partial reason for it. So... Maybe let's pump the brakes on that one, even though I can understand the the appeal of getting the hell out of Tampa. I, I, I really, truly can't. Um, the other article, uh, one more general by the athletic staff, which came out today, uh, March Madness to be used for women's basketball champions starting in 2022 um, as part of a bigger uh, review on how money is distributed between the men's and women's bas- college basketball tournaments. Um, one of the interesting things that I didn't even realize uh, until today when I read this article was that the women's college basketball tournament had never been able to legally use the term March Madness, which is mind-boggling to me because they're both under the NCAA. But it just kind of shows where NCAA's priorities have been, uh, which if you've been following the NCAA over the last, I don't know, hundred years tends to be a little screwed up, uh, especially with Mark Emmert at the helm. So 
that uh, that the whole story is worth reading. Uh, it's not very long, um, but again, it just uh, sort of shows the progress that is being made. Um, hopefully, more progress continues to be made, so we don't have more videos of like we saw the the last uh, women's college basketball tournament where we saw their gym with like one weight rack and like that was it for the teams. So hopefully it continues to get better, but we will see. Um, all right. So that is, that is our pimp in the athletic, uh, Wes, let's hit the watch for, uh, what you're watching in the week that was in the week that will be. Hey green. I remembered that there was a season four of the good place and I have started it. Oh man. Okay. I have, I have. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it thus far. Uh, I think um, either three or four episodes in. Mm-hmm. Can't remember. I can't not remember off the top of my head. Uh, the last thing I saw was um, it looked like a specter of something was coming down the railroad track on like a hand crank, like mm-hmm. one of those old like hand crank carts. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing I saw. So I can only assume that that's something that's coming to cause havoc and chaos and throw a wrench into everything you're trying to do. Um, I will say the the midpoint of that season has uh-huh. one of the best moments of the show overall. It was a moment I absolutely loved. It was so well done. It felt so earned and it was so... Great, you'll you'll get to it, and I, I imagine you'll know what it is when you hit it. Um, also, congratulations on uh, meeting one of the worst characters I've ever seen on television. Um, I don't, uh, I don't is, remember is his name. Is it about to be one of my favorite characters on television? Is it Brent? Yes, it's Brent. Yes. God, I love Brent so much. You know, you knew. I think you knew I'd love Brent. Oh, I, and let me let me be, let me be clear. When I say he's one of the worst. Um, uh, and I'm, I just went back and looked it up. Uh, Benjamin Koldyke, who plays Brent Norwalk on the show, uh, he he is such a piece of shit, but he's great. He is an amazing. Um, he does an amazing performance. Like, oh, it's it's oh, he's so good at this character. He's so damn good at this character. Um. Also, um, John Wheaton, who's, uh, like, uh, um, oh God, it's been a while since I've watched this show now. Um, uh, actually, I mean, I guess it was right before the pandemic started, uh, Tahani's, um, BFF dude. Uh, he's, he's really oh. good on it. Jason Mendoza? No, uh, no. J- I mean, oh, Jason. The, the, the gossip columnist. Yes. The gossip columnist. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, there, there's a lot of great. So yeah, um, I have actually not watched, rewatched season four since since I first saw it. Um, it is it is absolutely fantastic though, um, and one day one day I will actually go back to watch it. Um, but yeah, it is it is great. It is it is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm I'm very glad. I forget how many episodes are actually in this season. Um, I think it's like. 10? It's not a very long season. No, let me see. I don't think. I thought it was 10. I might be off. Yeah, let me... Maybe I'm just used to, like, everything else I watch being, like, 10 episode seasons. 
Oh, it's, it is 13. It's actually 13. Okay. 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 Cool. Um, so yeah, there, I think, yeah. Episode seven is, is the moment where I, it has the moment where I'm like, Oh, that's such a good uh, one. That's such a good moment. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited for you to, to keep going. Um, it is, it is amazing and wonderful and crazy and, and just, just perfectly the good place. So I'm, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts going forward on that. Um, for me, uh, I have finished up along with uh, one name, producer Jackie. Uh, now the first uh, season and a half that has been released of The Owl House. Uh, there's still half of season two to be released. And then they're doing apparently a season three, which is just going to be a couple of like special like movie length episodes. Um, but so we are caught up. I don't know when the second half of season two is coming out. Um, I, I just, I can't recommend this show hardly enough. This show is so good. Uh, it is funny. Uh, the character of King, who is uh, somewhat funnily played by the creator of Gravity Falls, which was one of my other favorite shows of this year so far to discover. Um, he is He is the voice of King on the show. Uh, King is amazing. He's like, all right, so so someone from Disney corporate said we need to create a really cute character on this show that could be a mascot and sell toys. What if we made him the King of Demons? Yes. Yes, we will do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they pull it off so well. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, it's uh, just like Gravity Falls was. It is hilarious at times it is hilarious at an adult level that i did not expect it to go to especially for a disney show at times um and it is it is genuinely emotional at times so another fantastic show i'm i'm excited to see where it goes for the last uh, little bit here i'm very excited for that um i also know i am totally caught up to through today's episode or up to today's episode that was released of uh marvel's what if uh, the last episode was um, what if um, Odin had not brought back Loki to be Thor's brother and what would have changed as a result of that? Um, pretty fun episode, which given the last couple episodes being incredibly heavy and having really sort of bad endings, uh, this was this was a little more fun one and a little more lighthearted, um, including uh, Thor coming to Earth and knocking over Stonehenge. So that was that was a lot of fun. And, and, and getting to see Loki um, in all his uh, frost giant glory that he could have been um, was really cool. So uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that... I think there's only a couple episodes left in What If. Um, I don't know if it's getting a season two, but um, it's been a nice little diversion so far. So I'm excited about that. Um, real quick, we're, we're not going to do it because I also I know we also have to do a Loki a Loki talk. Did you ever see uh, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings? I did not. I have not seen any of the new Marvel movies yet. I haven't seen Black Widow yet either. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think Shang Chi because you have Disney Plus, correct? Correct. Okay, so I think that comes out in like a couple weeks on Disney Plus. So. Um, so you, you you can check it out there without having to. Well, now I, I think Black Widow's coming out 
beginning of October. Um, so Shang Chi should be behind that. Let's let's look real quick. Black Widow, Disney Plus. Uh, October sixth, uh, Black Widow comes for free. All right. So it seems uh, like uh, from the article I'm reading now here, um, Shang Chi got delayed a month for Disney Plus. Um, but is now so it's now going to be on November twelfth, um, right? Right. So that's and then there was a surprise announcement. Blah 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 blah. Um, the the Disney announced it will hold a special celebration of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's future on Disney Plus. Okay. Um, all right. Cool. Um, also, have you did you see the uh, the Hawkeye trailer that came out? I did see the Hawkeye trailer. That looks freaking sweet. It's Die Hard. <laughs> I know. How great is that, man? How great is that? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm very excited for this. Um, Jake Peralta would be very excited as well. Oh, I know. And in our our last bit of news, um, I don't happen to I had forgotten until last week, and I don't know if you ever knew they're they're apparently making uh, a Super Mario Brothers movie to erase that one they made in the early 90s with John Leguizamo. Um, but this one is supposed to, I think, be an actual animated movie. Um, and they announced the English voice cast for for this movie. Wes, do you know who's playing Mario in this movie? I believe it's the Pratster. It is the Pratster. Yes, um, so, so it's going to be animated? I, I'm 90% sure that, it's an animated movie, yes. Okay, okay, because, so, my, my, my fiancée, yeah. um, if, if you see her, she has a, a sleeve tattoo, about a half-sleeve tattoo on her arm, mm-hmm. and it's basically Mario Kart. Oh, nice. So, she's, like, a really big Mario fan, and she was not pleased with the cast, <laughs> but she was probably thinking it was, like, alive, kind of thing ah okay which you know i guess i could i could see it there so um yeah so if it's going to be animated maybe uh, maybe that that does bring it back around or however they do it are you aware of uh of anyone else who was cast in that movie god i saw i've got the thing like she sent me a text on it. So, uh, uh, Charlie Day is going to be Luigi. Right, 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 right. Seth that, Rick- that was one of her big ones was Charlie Day. She's like, he's not tall enough. So that, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jack Black is going to be Bowser. Uh, Seth Rogen is going to be Donkey Kong. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, who we love from Key and Peele, is going to be Toad. And uh, and I, someone I didn't realize who they were until later. Anya Taylor Joy is going to be Princess Peach. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy from uh, the chess show on Netflix, uh, The Queen's Gambit, that one, um, and a couple other things. Um, but yeah, so they they announced this during like a live Nintendo presentation last Thursday, and Jackie and I were watching it together, and we're like, okay, well let's you know let's let's see who the the cast is going to be. And Pratt's face comes on the screen, and I just start 
dying. And with every successive reveal, I just, my soul left my body a little bit more. You know, it's, it's a great moment of television. Let me tell you what, friends. Um, I, I just, I just, I, I literally, my soul left my body. Um, but yeah, I, I am 99% sure it's animated. Um, so I think that's going to be okay. And like, a lot of these people have done voice work and how Chris Pratt was in the Lego movie. Yeah, and I absolutely. think he, and he did a fine job there. So they, they do have uh, voice acting backgrounds, which is, should make it a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was, this I was expecting like a bunch of kind of lesser known or sort of no name people to come in and be the voice. Like, nope, right off the bat, Chris fucking Pratt. He's Mario. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I just remember going like, this is a, I don't want to hear Chris Pratt doing a pizza pasta man voice. I, I don't know about that. So we'll see. Um, but that's going to be it for the watch for. I can't wait to do a review of the Mario movie whenever it comes out because it'll either be a train wreck or amazing. And either one is okay by me because I'll enjoy it either way. Um, so yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited for that. But that's going to do it for this edition of the a Foreign Affair podcast. Episode 383 is in the books. Um, once again, shout outs to NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. You can find them on the social media as well as us as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pot. Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. And I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show, and email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks to our podcast providers, including Podbean, or sorry, not them anymore, Um, Anchor, powered by Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. So go check us out on all those locations, uh, as well as maybe a few more. Um, Anywhere you can get a podcast, you can listen to us. Uh, and again, if you oh. want to check in on the uh, the description, you can send in a, us a message through Anchor that way. Um, but again, that is going to about wrap it up. Next week, we'll be bringing uh, a little bit more Premier League action as we head into another international oh. break. Um, but Wes, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add? Uh, after an off week for high school football, I'm back! He's and back, in. Baby. Finally, get to see my beloved Rocky Mount Griffons this week. Uh, oh, uh, the capstone. Um, we're actually going to be back on the top of the Nash Central uh, press box this week, no. but so much closer to getting back to the capstone, which I will be in just a few short weeks. Um, and uh, Big East play continues, and it, I'm, I'm just I'm excited to finally see my Dagon Griffons this year. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Watch your football, folks. It's October. It is. It is baseball playoffs and college football season. Um, once again, and I hope to see the Red Sox on TV again this year. <laughs> um, you know, they just have to make the playoffs because, by all means, we certainly can't watch the game. You know, with the packages, with the major league package that we bought for the season, we surely can't watch the games. No, why would you um, expect to be able to do that? Exactly, because I, North Carolina, should be going to the last six Red Sox games of the year, you know, in Washington and Baltimore. Of course. Anyway, Anyway. I'm still excited. Yeah, uh, Red Sox are going to pull through. I have hope. And as we all know, it's the hope that kills you. And they won won tonight. Yes. The Red Sox won. The Yankees lost. So, uh, 
Unfortunately, the Yankees lost to Toronto, which yes. makes it even harder. <laughs> I was about to be like, unfortunately, at this point, the Yankees losing is actually a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Oh, man. Yeah, currently, uh, New York uh, is one game up on Boston, and Boston is one game up on both Seattle and Toronto. I did see some one earlier today post um, Seattle's last game of the year may be against Shoei Otani. Just, just throw uh, now. Out apparently, he he is not going to pitch anymore this year. Okay, never mind. Never mind. So he he's he's going to hit, but he's not going to pitch. So. Mm. Yes. Well, all righty. As uh, baseball is quickly drawing to a close with its regular season, and a uh, few other. Last little bits of the the playoffs are coming together. I see uh, Atlanta just needs one more win or a Philly loss to uh, to tie up their division, and uh, Giants still two up on the Dodgers. Mike, that's wow, wow. I I wow. What what a what a story. But we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that on the uh, the international break window. Because uh, that'll be like we'll be a, probably a week in the playoffs, so we can uh, we can talk some baseball that week. Um, but from a Colin Crime West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much again for joining us here on the AFA Pod. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe and enjoy the football. Good night, Manchester United. You win with a penalty, you lose with a penalty. Whatever, Ollie ain't going nowhere. <laughs> All you need to know. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.